Welcome back to another fantastic episode of Between the Bookends. I don't know why I have a smooth jazz radio voice going on here, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Josh. I'm here with my good friend Chris. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Um, got my got my cup of coffee. You know, it's a it's a beautiful Sunday. Actually, it's pretty nasty out right now. It's pretty gross, gray. But mm. you know, I'm inside. I got my got my cup of coffee. Got my stack of books. I'm ready to talk about books. Heck yeah, that sounds fantastic. Me too. I oh. uh, really didn't read a lot this past month, but we'll uh, we'll get into it. Uh, before we get into that. Um, usually at the beginning of the show, we like to do a little addendum of the previous episode and fix what oh, we yeah. got wrong, clarify things. Um, we didn't really have that many things that we said that were incorrect last time. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we did pretty, pretty well. Um, so I don't have anything for that. So I guess we can just catch up a little bit, uh. Great. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm enjoying doing this podcast. It's really fun to talk about books and stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's like I think I mentioned it on the show before. Like I'll read something, and um, uh, if it's like something that makes me angry or something, or finding a small typo in a book, um, I'll just say it out loud. And if I'm in mm-hmm. another room, <laughs> Morgan will be like. Uh, what are, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, this book just sucks, or you know, stuff like that. <laughs> so to also have a place for to discuss it on the podcast is really fun. Yeah, it's like uh, you see a movie and you just want to you want to gush about it right afterward. You know, mm. it's like you need someone to talk to. Got to mm-hmm. get it out of your system. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I don't have much because uh, this past month I was, had a lot of things on my plate, so. The only things I got to were uh, two uh, little poetry books, um, and I've really have kind of rekindled my love for poetry. I'd gone a while cool. without reading any, so every time I pick up a new poetry book, it's like it's like food for the soul, you know. Mm. So uh, yeah, so I read. I'll start off with the uh, the one that I didn't like as much. Um, so uh, it's a book, a collection of poems by Chilean poet Pablo Neruda. Uh, this was published in 1924. And at the time when it was published, it was Pablo's second publication. And he was only 19. Wow. Uh, so he's he was successful for a lot of his life. And I believe he was also... Um, a part of Chile's, I guess, the equivalent of England's, like, parliament kind of deal. I think he was in politics a little bit. Okay. Um, so, and the version I read, it's originally in Spanish, of course. Uh, the version I read is translated in 1969 by American poet and writer uh, W.S. Merwin, which is kind of a fun wizard sounding last name yeah that's cool yeah (laughs) um so the it's pretty good i mean uh the collection is called 20 love poems and a song of despair um pretty self-explanatory there's 20 short poems and then one longer poem 
Um, and it's kind of weird to read it as a guy because it, there's a lot of sensual, erotic notions of him being with, you know, women and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's still good because I'm, and what do you expect from, you know, hot blooded, uh, you know, Southern Americans, you know, yeah. men are very, <laughs> uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Very passionate, very passionate people. Sure, yeah. <laughs> in a good way, in a very good way. Um, so, it, I mean, it was really good. I'll kind of get into a little portion that I earmarked for a uh, portion of the Song of Despair. Uh, in, in the poem, he's in this longer piece, he's talking about uh, a woman he loved that has that he's since lost and pretty sure she's passed away. And it's kind of beautiful. He, he compares her to, uh, the ocean and throughout the poem. And it, it's really kind of beautiful. Um, and I'll just read a short section here. There were thirst and hunger and you were the fruit. There were grief and the ruins and you were the miracle woman. I do not know how you could contain me in the earth of your soul in the cross of your arms. So it's really, it's really kind of beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah. so he can have some lines that are nice like that, but then he'll say something that kind of sounds dirty and it's like, uh, gets kind of weird. <laughs> um, hmm. uh, yeah, so that's about all I have to say about that. It's critically acclaimed because there's not a lot of really popular um, Spanish speaking poets. Right. Out there right. that much, but um, he's one of the bigger ones. The other book I read, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, so Pablo's poems were, you know, there's meter and rhyming and everything. Um, but this next one I read is more of a, a prose style. So there's no rhyming structure. There's no set structure of stanzas. It's kind of like a prose poem is like shorter paragraphs but the language is very, you know, poetic, you might say. Uh, so mm-hmm. this is uh, by Maggie Nelson. It's called Bluettes. Um, Maggie Nelson is an American writer. She teaches at the University of Southern California. Um, mm. She has taught at other colleges and stuff, but that's kind of where she's settled down now. Uh, she's received a couple fellowships. Um, and a fellowship, If you, if for those that don't know, it's kind of like, um, a certain, it's basically like a scholarship, like a college scholarship Hmm. cranked up to 11. So like if you get a fellowship, you win a couple hundred thousand dollars and it's more of an organization investing in your potential to, you know, be a great writer or creator. Um, back in the day, like in the Renaissance and stuff, it was really common for, like vassals and lords to have a resident poet or a resident architect. And um, they would just create things for this rich dude and get paid to do it. Um, So it's sort of the same kind of deal, but uh, so it's really, so this it's called bluettes. Obviously the word color blue is in there. And the whole kind of thing is reflections and musings on, 
the color blue and the feelings it evokes and um, kind of seeing blue as something, you know, if if you say a person is blue, it means they're sad. Um, But also you could use blue in religious ways. You can use blue uh, to denote royalty. So it's really Mm -hmm. playing with these kinds of concepts. It's... um, it's really, really great. Um, mm-hmm. References to a lot of other writers and philosophers, uh, like uh, your Plato's and Aristotle's, but then also more modern people like Leonard Cohen and Joni Mitchell. Um, so it, it's really, really cool. This book is also, like Pablo's, uh, a little erotic, a little sexual, um, but it's kind of done in a more kind of classy mature way that's adult but yet kind of understandable in the context of what she's talking about right Um, but i will spare sensual parts of the poem (laughs) parts of the book and i'll read uh just a short kind of section here kind of just a reflection on how blue like i said is kind of used for royalty but it can also be used to denote sadness and whatnot so Uh, Holiness and evilness aside, no one could rightly call blue a festive color. You don't go looking for a party in a color that hospitals have used to calm crying infants or sedate the emotionally disturbed. Ancient Egyptians wrapped their mummies in blue cloth. Ancient Celtic warriors dyed their bodies with woad before heading off to battle. The Aztecs smeared the chests of their sacrificial victims with blue paint before scooping their hearts out on the altar. The story of indigo is, at least in part, the story of slavery, riots, and misery. Blue does, however, also have a place at the carnival. So it, it's kind of cool. Um, That's great. Yeah, it's and it's it's just chock full of, you know, that was one poem, you might say. The book is like 240 of them in there. But since it's kind of a continuous line of thought, everything kind of weaves into each other. So it's almost like just a normal book, but more philosophical mm-hmm. and more colorful language and whatnot. Um, I like that it's it's mostly straightforward. It's not you have to pick apart every line to mm. figure out what it means. It's, it's more just a, a, a single unit. You know, it's kind of one thought. I like that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's really approachable. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. It is like I would find myself reading, you know, a couple pages at a time. Other times I'd sit down and read and just read one of those little, part, you know, sections and and just reread right. it a couple times and just think about it for like <clears throat> twenty minutes. So it's like mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I would definitely recommend it to someone who is looking for. Um, a more contemporary, modern take on poetry and philosophy. Um, mm. This was published in 2009, and she had been working on it a couple years before that. So it's, you know, it's pretty pretty approachable, but also uh, sort of academic in a way. <laughs> cool. Um, but uh, yeah, man, so what did uh, what did you get into this past month? Uh, the first book I read this month was The Well of Ascension uh, by Brandon Sanderson. It's book two of the Mistborn trilogy. Um, and 
I I think I liked it better than the first one. It has some issues, uh, some pretty glaring issues, if I'm honest. But um, mm. when it's all said and done, I think it was overall more interesting. I, I usually like sequels because you don't have to learn about the characters. You already know them. You can get right into, you know, the meat of the story. Um, let me kind of explain some of the rules and uh, magic systems of the book. Um, so there's these magic people called Alamancers. They draw power from different uh, metals and uh, different metals give them different abilities. So like uh, they can push or pull metals. I think if they use iron and steel, something like that, like there's certain ones for certain things and there's uh, metals that can make you stronger or increase your speed. Um, you can kind of control certain emotions in people, um, just stuff like that. It's uh, really cool. Um, uh, so to use the metals, they have to consume them. So they have, they carry like vials of liquid with uh, all the different metals in it, just like flakes of the metals. Um, so when they run out, they can just replenish, you know. Um, and That's pretty so, cool. yeah, I thought it's it's a really unique idea for a magic system. And apparently, Brandon Sanderson is like very good with magic systems. Uh, mm -hmm. But this is the only stuff I've read by him, so. Um, I think it shows though in in these books for sure. Um, so the f a little bit of backstory. Um, the first book, the idea of it, uh, Sanderson thought, hey, what if Frodo and Sam got to Mount Doom and they lost? They ended up, you know, Frodo ended up keeping the ring for himself, and he became this like overlord you know so it's like what if the hero failed um which i thought was such a cool idea and so it starts out like a couple thousand years after that happens i think so there's this evil lord ruler for thousands of years and people are just you know trying to survive and there's kind of a class system you know, there's lower class people and then the elites, uh, like the, the noble people or whatever. Um, so without spoiling the first book, because um, I can't really talk about the second one without, you know, kind of glossing over the first one. It's mm. about this girl named Vin, who is kind of a lower class. Uh, she's just like a street urchin, uh, kind of like a pickpocket, and she joins... A bunch of different uh kind of gangs like heist crews i guess like just to for work really um so mm -hmm. she's kind of a criminal and one day she meets this guy named kelsier who is um a, a mistborn which is an alamancer who has all of the abilities so Alamancers can only control one type of metal. Mistborn can control all of them. Uh, so oh, he's got all okay. the powers. You know, he's a very overpowered guy. Um, 
And he's he's like uh I can't think of a character to uh he's kind of like uh Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy. Just kind of like okay. a <laughs> very competent but kind of a goof. Doesn't take himself too seriously really, which is nice. You know, it's uh mm-hmm. adds some levity to it. Um so it's about the two of them teaming up and forming a crew to overthrow the final empire, um, which is right. ruled by the Lord ruler or whatever. And it's they it, Sanderson does a great job of making that sound like a completely impossible task because it's such a, like the final empire is just so it's bearing down on them constantly. And it just seems like this giant, thing that's impossible to take down so uh it's very tense uh, Mm -hmm. because of that so later vin finds out she's also mistborn so kelsier trains her how to use all the different abilities and everything um and i'm not gonna spoil how it goes whether they do overthrow it or not Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spoil that because it could go either way. Um, but the second book kind of, it deals with the fallout and the consequences of what they've done. Um, Mm -hmm. but it also explores the relationship between Vin and the love interest, Ellen, uh, who she meets in the first book. He was a nobleman. So it's, you know, kind of like this Romeo and Juliet kind of love, which is, you know, classic, but it's always kind of relatable in some way. Um, And it kind of, this one kind of deals with, he thinks he's not worthy of her because she's, you know, mistborn. She's like a superhero and he's just an ordinary guy while Vin is thinking, she isn't good enough for him because he's like royalty and mm-hmm. she's just like a, like a soldier. Um, and yeah, it does a great job of just fleshing out um, that relationship. Um, Cause I think most people find themselves in a relationship where they might think, I'm not worthy of this person, you know, like, how did I end up with this person? Like, they're too good for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And excellent job bringing some of the supporting characters from the first book to kind of the forefront in the second book. And you really start Mm -hmm. to care about them. And it's just... uh, kind of characters you wish you had gotten to know better in the first one uh are more fleshed out in this one so i think uh if you read the first one and you wanted to know more about certain characters you'd be satisfied with this one um and he introduces a lot of new and interesting kinds of people like uh there's these people called chandra who if they eat a dead body of a person or animal they can take the form of that person or animal. So if I murdered you, Josh, and a chondra (laughs) ate your body, they would just become a new Josh. 
Um, oh. Like, they, I don't think they would have, like, your memories. They certainly don't have your personality, but mm-hmm. they do a good job of mimicking that person. So it's really mm-hmm. hard to find out if someone's a chondra or not. Um, so do they have to, like, eat the whole body, like, all the organs I don't know, and stuff, honestly. <laughs> I think they have to eat the whole thing. I think they have to eat the whole thing, because there was one point in the book where it was just... A chondra ate a person, and it was just bones left. So I think Ooh. they have to eat the whole thing. Yeah, um, that's pretty metal. <laughs> oh yeah. And so can they like say they ate like five different people? Can they only mimic the person they most recently ate, or can they, or is it like a like a bank they can take from? Like, ooh, today I want to be Josh's murdered body. <laughs> um, I think. Uh, so they eat one body. They become that person or animal or whatever i don't think they can change bodies unless that one is killed Mm, so they pretty much can't die so if that body Mm. dies they just or is dying they eat another one i don't really know it wasn't really specific of that okay but they can't like just switch in and out like -hmm. you're saying kind of like a cool take on necromancy and yeah Um, but also another group of people that are introduced are called the Coloss, which are these big blue monstrous men with bright red eyes. Basically, they're like Urukai from Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like blue, uh, which is pretty cool. And they're really dumb, but <laughs> they're just murdering monster men and... Uh, pretty, pretty big threat in this book. It's a big, uh, big part of the plot. Um, mm-hmm. Some flaws with the book. It could have been probably 150 to 200 pages shorter. The first mm-hmm. 400 pages got kind of repetitive. There's these two characters who have a fight, and they're pretty well matched. So there's not really a winner or a loser. And then it cuts to political meeting and then the next scene is another battle between those two characters and then another meeting and it's each time that happens there's a little bit of progress you learn like one new thing about a certain character or the plot moves a little bit further but I feel like they could have cut out a couple of fights or a couple of meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the final 150, 200 pages was, to me, a huge payoff that made the boring bits worth it. Um, okay. Just the, the end of it just kind of blew my mind. And it's like very sad and it's not really a happy ending at all which i like and it makes me want to read the third book immediately so Mm. four stars you know it would have been five if it had just been a little bit tighter just a little bit shorter um but yeah it was fantastic and i'm very excited to read the final installment Okay. I uh that's really neat. I uh I love a book that 
has a sad, quote unquote, sad ending or Mm -hmm. kind of because I hate when a book ties it all up nice and neat like a Hallmark movie and everybody's happy and everything's resolved. You know, I think if you leave some stuff up to be resolved, but also, you know, leave room for new developments, I think, you know. That's great, because you know, because you know, especially in a fantasy world, even in the real world, not everything is going to be, you know, but buttoned up nice, nice, and mm-hmm. can be grim. So, yeah, yeah, it's very much an Empire Strikes Back uh, ending. It's you know, it's the second installment. It has a bad ending, and there's just plenty of room for a third installment where you can actually wrap everything up, um, which I love. I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the only other thing I read this month was Children of Dune by Frank Herbert. It's uh, mm-hmm. the third book in the Dune saga. I don't know if you're planning on reading Dune, but I don't think I'm going to spoil anything here. A little bit of background. I hate reviewing books that are in like in the middle of a series, because I feel like people don't want to hear that. It's like, I haven't read the first one yet. Why are you talking about this? You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to finish up all the series that I'm in the middle of just so I can start fresh. Um, Right. So Paul Atreides, the savior of the desert planet Arrakis, which is also known as Dune, is believed Mm -hmm. to be dead. His twin children... uh, Leto II and Ganima have inherited his powers to see like visions of different possible futures, mm-hmm. um, but also the memories of all of their ancestors. Um, so like just millions of people's memories, which is mm. kind of terrifying. Yeah. Um, and Arrakis is in the process of being terraformed and half the planet, um, rather than sandy dunes, now has, you know, green grass and water is no longer the rarity that it once was. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul's sister, Aaliyah, now runs the empire that he left behind and quite poorly, um... Uh, it's kind of a mess. Uh, and the followers mm. of Paul and the religion that was built around him because he was this big you know, savior and people saw him as a god, which he wasn't. He's like, I'm just a guy. Like, this is getting way out of hand. And uh, so the religion has just lost its way. It's gone off the rails. And the people, like, they sell... Paul Atreides merch on the streets. It's like, <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, it's like walking down the street and you can buy like Jesus t-shirts from just street <laughs> vendors. It's like that. It's, I thought like it was pretty funny the way it was, it was done. Yeah. Um, and it's like they worship people in the church rather than having faith in the religion itself, which I ah. think happens a lot in many religions today. Okay. Um, 
So they're, you know, they're worshiping a priest rather than, you know, the faith, which is right. happens a lot today, I think. Um, so there's a lot of different plans happening at one time, and it's really hard to keep track of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the first book was about Paul versus a corrupt empire. The second book was focused on Paul versus himself. He had this inner battle with his own mind um, because he was plagued by these different visions of the future, and he he refused to decide which one to choose. But not choosing is choosing. You know what I mean? Right. So he chose a certain path by not choosing any of them, and it kind of messed stuff up. Um, and now in the third book, it follows the twins, versus Paul's sister, Alia, versus Paul's mom, the lady Jessica. It's a very dysfunctional family, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're Makes all for a good just, story. It really does. Um, it, all of like the main characters from the past couple of books are just budding heads, and you can kind of see everyone's uh, reasons, kind of. They don't make them known, but you kind of feel for each of them. Um, right. Which is nice because you're not just rooting for one side. It's like, how is this going to turn out? Like, who's right and who's wrong? Um, Frank Herbert did a great job of mixing the action with political intrigue because those are very big factors, especially the politics and like the philosophy that goes sure, on. That's. Yeah probably the biggest thing of these books and it's like if they took if you took book one and book two and just squashed them together like that you know all the great aspects of both just squished into one book and it it might be my favorite so far it's the weirdest one each one gets weirder and i love that (laughs) uh just some really wacky stuff um yeah like, I think he was on some hallucinogenics or something when he wrote it. It's <laughs> really weird. Um, Leto II, uh, he's named after Paul's father, Leto. Uh, he is not as interesting as Paul because Leto's mm-hmm. now the main protagonist, I think. Um, so, like, Paul's kind of out of the picture. Of course, it, w- what he set up is still there. So it's like he's, it feels like he's still there. Um, even though he's not there. Um, Leto just has all these powers. Um, and he's eight years old, but he has all the memories from all his ancestors. So he's a genius and he's lived, all these lives basically so he's not really mm-hmm. a child um so he, he kind of has an arc but he doesn't really learn much of a lesson which paul did he started in one spot and ended in a very different spot right uh, so i find him less relatable and less interesting uh but the third act of the book was so action-packed and you finally see all the different plans from the different people finally come to fruition and it just 
it wraps up so nicely. Mm. Even though there's three more books, it right. it just it wrapped everything up very nicely. And some ver- some of my favorite characters die in the end and it was so well done. Um but yeah, that's uh Children of Dune and I'm planning on reading God Emperor of Dune soon. It takes okay. place like thousands of years later, so I don't think it would be a bad thing to wait a little while, but mm-hmm. that's always I find this so interesting where some some stories will pick up right where the previous work left off. Mm-hmm. Um I always think it's kind of neat the way Star Wars kind of did it where, you know, there's maybe a couple years in between. Um, yeah, it's kind of vague. Yeah, I, I kind of like that approach. But I also just recently watched the first two uh, Daniel Craig 007 movies. Uh, Quantum of Solace and Casino, Casino Royale. Royale. Um, yeah. And the second one picks up like right after the first one left off i i really like that um yeah yeah which is also kind of interesting but when you're building kind of a sci-fi fantasy world like dune is it's so Mm -hmm. interesting it's very bold to put that much time in between yeah stories yeah i'm i have no idea what's gonna happen in the next one because it's like is it all new characters i'm nervous Mm -hmm. about that because all of these ones have just been set up so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would be kind of nice to have a... It's going to be like a soft reboot, I guess. It's going to be a little right. fresher. You know, you kind of start from square one, kind of. Mm-hmm. Which will be nice, I think. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so what are you going to read uh, for May? Uh, so for May, I uh, need to get my butt back in gear and continue the Wheel of Time series. Uh, after I finished the couple poetry books I read, I, I read a couple chapters of The Dragon Reborn, uh, which mm-hmm. is the third in the series. Um, and it's really great so far. Speaking of how soon things pick up between books and stories and stuff, uh the second book picked up a couple weeks after the first one left off. Um, mm-hmm. And then this one seems to be a little, maybe only two or three weeks after uh, the second one leaves off. Um, All right. So it's kind of, kind of neat to see how an author explains, you know, a couple months of character development in a couple short pages. Um and mm-hmm. Robert Jordan's just I I think he's a great writer <laughs> as yeah. it is so he certainly pulls it off pretty well um and in this one it seems to be like the stakes are raising and you know people are taking their roles a little more seriously and uh kind of the stakes are are high and mm-hmm. are being treated as such but also like things need to keep moving so and he's not right. afraid to kind of progress things in a somewhat extreme manner so we'll see how it right. goes <laughs> nice uh but what about you are you gonna continue into uh some sanderson stuff or uh i think uh well i've already started um 
Iron Gold by Pierce Brown, which is the fourth book in the Red Rising saga. Mm -hmm. I know, the middle of another series. Um, (laughs) But I think it's the second trilogy of the saga, so it's kind of a fresh start, like I was saying about uh, the fourth Dune book. Um, It's not that far into the future, really, but it's... You know, the first story arc is done, and now it begins a new one with some new characters. So far, mm-hmm. I'm I'm only like 50 pages in, but so far, I'm loving it, and I'm so happy to be back in that universe. Um, it's so good. Uh, so I'm going to finish that, and then I think maybe I'm going to do... I'm going to finish up the Mistborn trilogy, I think, and then that's one series out of the way. Um, it'll be interesting to hear what you have to say, because I've heard... Other people, we talk about uh, Daniel Green's YouTube channel a lot, and that's one thing mm-hmm. he said about Sanderson is that, and even Sanderson has said himself, um, that his early stuff is like, uh, like you can tell he's still kind of figure out his writing style and working out all the right. kinks and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, later on, it he's like much, much more well-polished and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see how that all kind right. of develops. Yeah, okay, cool. And uh, I hear that it might be the best book in the trilogy, which is crazy, the third book being the best one. Um, But yeah, everyone says it's an incredible finale. So I'm Mm -hmm. super excited to see what that's all about. Alrighty, man. Well, uh, that's about all we have. Is there anything else you want to add on to the end of here? I think that's that's it for uh, for this month. Uh, it's so weird that we do this monthly. We used to do a weekly mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. It could be fun to do maybe a couple episodes in between to kind of check in on, you know, what we're reading and whatnot. Little updates yeah. instead of wrap ups. You know, I'd lo- um, I'd love to do some bonus uh, episodes where we just talk about one specific author or series mm. or something. I think that'd be pretty fun. Get into some. Uh, specifics with some authors and I think that'd be cool I would totally be down for that that sounds great yeah yeah I apologize if you could hear one of my cats was scratching at the door so I had to let her in so if you hear some weird noises it's (laughs) just one of the cats um but yeah man uh so follow us on Instagram between the bookends podcast and if you have any questions recommendations suggestions for the show uh send us a DM on there, or if you're more comfortable with email between the bookends pod at Gmail, uh, mm-hmm. on Instagram, I am Josh Herder and Chris is Chris JB Miller. As always, thank you to Danny for the artwork. You can find her on Instagram at designer perspective. Uh, and she runs a bookstagram account as well. Um, she's all over I love Instagram. That account. So. Yeah. She posts some good stuff. Um, uh, my wife, Morgan also has a bookstagram. Check her out underscore book morgues. Um, and, uh, I'm working on, I'm just not really great with social media, but I'm <laughs> trying to post yeah, same. on there. But, uh, but yeah, reach out to us. If you have uh, anything you want to let us know, if you've read these books that we're talking about, let us know what you thought. Let us know what you're reading and, uh, yeah. we will let catch you next time. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what's on your shelf? What are you currently reading? favorite authors that kind of thing so uh we will talk to y'alls next month bye see ya